and welcome back to the Friendship Bread Podcast. I'm Alma, and I'm here with Crystal. Hello. We love to have real, honest conversations about life and how the conservative culture that we grew up in shaped our mindsets. Last week, we introduced our newest topic, mm-hmm. purity culture, and this week, I think we're going to keep talking about that a little bit. But before we jump into that, do you have a breadcrumb? We didn't prepare breadcrumbs at all, did we? Mm-mm, I completely forgot about it. I am so excited because I am getting ready to start some of my seeds for flowers for my garden. I, my grow light. And I should have known it was yes, I'm very gardening. <laughs> that's so exciting. Also, some more seeds came today, so that was exciting too. <laughs> so that's why you posted that reel in your st- in yeah. the stories. Mm-hmm. She posted um, in the stories. She posted a reel that I actually sent her mm-hmm. um, of a bird doing a dance. It's actually a mating dance, mm-hmm. but it was captioned me distracting my husband so he doesn't see the gardening supplies that just got delivered mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. I don't think I distracted my husband from it, though, because he brought the package in from the mailbox. You know. Um, yeah. That's funny. That's exciting. That is very exciting. I think my breadcrumb is that in the past week, we have had some really nice warm days and mm-hmm. actually had some sunshine, and I've gotten to sit outside on my patio and read, and it's been delightful. I'm really excited about spring. I am too. I cannot wait for it to come. Yeah. So, can I come tomorrow? <laughs> well, we're really close. Let's see. This it- comes out on the 16th, so it it's four days away. Woo! <laughs> Which, even when we're recording now, that's still really close. March is going by so quickly. And it just started. It feels like anyways. Yes, next, on this episode comes out on my youngest yes. birthday. Yeah. I thought of that actually earlier and then I forgot about it. My baby's turning three. Crazy. That's not a breadcrumb. <laughs> not a bre- It's an anti-breadcrumb. It's an anti-breadcrumb. I literally can't believe three years have gone by. I know. It's crazy. Time just goes by so quickly. Well, my goodness. Three years old. Yep. And halfway through March, it's just, yeah, March is going so fast. I agree. I feel like January went really slow for me. Okay. February went by in the blink of an eye, Mm -hmm. and now March is going by very fast, too, which I feel like February always goes by fast. It is the shortest month of the year. It is the shortest month of the year, but even aside from that, I don't know. It's the second month of the year. I don't know. It just goes by really fast every year. But anyways, we've talked about time going by fast now for a little while. Okay, on our last episode, we talked about purity culture. We talked about what it is. We kind of dove into a little um, conversation about modesty then. Mm -hmm. And so I did want to touch on one thing that I I felt just in my, I listened back to that episode. Sometimes I don't listen back. I I don't listen back to all of our episodes, Mm -hmm. but that one felt very vulnerable. So I listened back to it before we released it. And I caught myself wanting to like hop in with a little disclaimer at one point and um, say uh, when we were talking about how how purity culture affects men and what it 
how it affects how they treat women and stuff. I mm-hmm. wanted to jump in and say, of course, this is not every man who has grown up under purity culture. Um, we were making sweeping generalizations in that regard because of what purity culture, the message it communicates to yeah. men and and women about their responsibilities to men. And so I did want to say it's not that we like for myself, I feel like I came across kind of a little bit like, I don't know, I, I, I we do, I do not hate men. <laughs> it's not, I don't think they're awful. Um, I think that huge disservice has been done to them mm-hmm. by the purity culture movement. And not all of them are, treat women badly. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are really great husbands. Um, and then there are, you know, there's always the ones who aren't. So, it, yeah, I guess I just kind of wanted to touch on that from last week. And I know it's probably unnecessary, but. Just for your own peace of mind. For my own peace yes. of mind, yes. Yeah. No, I think that, I think too, I think sometimes it can win. I mean, we're just talking about things as like how they relate to women. Yeah. And just that in general can, you know, sometimes seem like. Yeah. I don't know what the, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking here. Um, I don't know. When you're just when you're just talking about things as relating to one gender, it yeah. can sometimes seem like the other is excluded or looked down upon. Yeah. But I mean, really, that's not what we're doing. We're yeah. just talking about our experiences and mm-hmm. you know the those things and how they relate to us. And since we are women, yeah, you know, yeah. So we so, don't ever if we say things about men, like I hope it never comes across as like yes. men are awful, they suck, and we don't like them. We don't. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So, anyways, disclaimer touching on last week. And then um, we talked about modesty and how it's really relative to who you ask. Um, And that was was interesting to talk about Mm -hmm. because I've thought about that so much and haven't like really had in depth discussions about it. Yeah. Because modesty. What's really interesting is that um, in the Bible, when it talks about modesty, the people talking about it were often actually referring to an attitude of modesty. Mm -hmm. And when it talked about like the Amish um, interpret the scripture where it talks about uh, not adorning yourself with jewels, very literally. And uh, what he was actually talking about in that scripture was not to appear not not to wear all these jewels to appear better than those around you. Yeah. And I find that very interesting because again, modesty varies so much. You have like in you've been to India mm-hmm. and in the Indian culture they often wear the is it sar- sari? Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Yes. A sari mm-hmm. that is like kind of the length of a crop top. Yes. Here in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they w- there's other parts of their sari. There's mm-hmm. often I don't know how do you sh- you want me to just like describe how a sari works? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you've got a top part that's kind of like a crop top and usually um, has like a hook and eye type closure on the front, and that's how you close that. And then yeah, like it's, it's a crop top length, so mm-hmm. it tells you that. And then you have like a petticoat underneath, which is a pretty big. Like, basically a skirt with, like, string through it. Mm-hmm. And you tie your string however tight you need it. And then you have 
a very, very, very long piece of fabric that you tuck into the top of the skirt and at the very front of it, you make folds with your fabric. And that's why so much of it hangs in the front if you ever look mm, at a picture. Okay, and yeah. And you tuck that into your petticoat and um, the rest of the fabric that is still left out gets taken up over your shoulder and wrapped around the front of you. So some people just throw it up over their shoulder and let the loose hang down the back. And then some people will take it, take the extra and bring it back up under their arm to cover any exposed skin. So So it kind of depends on what you want to do. It depends on how you want to wear it. But, and I know that asking Crystal to describe a sorry may have been random, but my... (laughs) It was the first thing that popped in my mind. In their culture, it's not considered immodest at all. It's not even, like, questioned or thought about in the slightest. No. Now, one thing that is considered, um, so for in in their culture, the women have two different options, which they are starting to wear more Western clothes, like jeans and a t-shirt type thing. But they can have either the sari or, like, I mean, we just called them, like, a suit. And basically, it's very loose pants. And then... A knee-length dress, but you have slits oh, in the side of the dress okay, yes. that come up almost to your hip. But then also there is a scarf that goes with that. Mm. And so in Indian culture, I mean, everything you're very well you're you're very well covered and very modest by our standards. Mm-hmm. But in Indian culture, if you wear that and you don't wear the scarf with it, it would be like the equivalent of going to Walmart without a bra on. Oh my goodness! So it's like a very different mm-hmm. standard yeah, of modesty. So modesty is subjective to whatever culture, or is, yes. is different in whatever culture yes. you're in. That's exactly. Just yeah, that's the point I was trying to make. Yes. So interesting. Um, and side note, at a certain point, when Crystal was trying to remember a word, um, we paused, and I realized that her audio has been quieter than mine for the first part of this episode, and I am very sorry. We fixed it now. I mean, some people might be glad. They might have, They might be like, Crystal no. is always so loud. No. I'm so glad she's being more quiet this time. No. I feel like somehow you and I both, well, we're both pretty loud. Mm-hmm. And we both like end up talking like very similar volumes and we both laugh loud. <laughs> it's just, it works out well. Okay, great. We can keep our mics at like very similar levels. That's nice. And, yeah, yeah. It's not like one of us talks super quietly and we have to turn the mic up so that we can hear them. So, Are you saying neither one of us is soft-spoken? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I am saying that, yes. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, so sorry about the first part of this episode. I'm going to try to fix it when I'm – or I'm going to, like, do the best I can with it to balance it out in editing. But most likely it is just overall quieter than mm-hmm. my audio in the first part of this episode. Okay. So we talked about modesty. Mm-hmm. This week, um, we were kind of inspired by Sheila Gregor. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't follow her on Instagram, she is a writer, but she also has an Instagram <laughs> Instagram account where she posts some really amazing mm-hmm. content. She doesn't she have a podcast? She does. She actually started out with a blog. Yes, a that blog. was um, called "To Love, To Honor, and To Vacuum." I didn't know that. Yes. Yep. That's where she got her start. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she's written quite a few books, and I know she's coming out with another one mm-hmm. this year. But on Instagram, she's Sheila Gregor, S-H-E-I-L-A, and then her last name is G-R-E-G-O-I-R-E. It's mm-hmm. kind of different. But she has amazing content, and what uh, she has these specific posts on her page where she – that. She calls them fixed it for use. Mm-hmm. And she takes quotes from like Christian marriage books and fixes them. Basically, like takes what was written and edits it to make it actually say something good. Yeah. Instead of because sometimes they're f they're there there's a lot of pretty horrible portrayals in books that I kind of want to say that I I I don't know. Did the people who wrote them, they just didn't know what they were saying? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I I hope so, honestly. Yeah. I really hope so. Um, I don't either. Um, I mean, I, I do hope so. Yeah. I just, I just don't even know. It doesn't make sense to me either, is basically. So, like, I am I have one example. I pulled up an example so that I can kind of explain it. So, basically, she has a Fix It For You post, and then she writes From Love and Respect by Emerson. I don't know how to say his last name. And it's um, the, the book Love and Respect. And his quote is, Yet another idea is to sit and talk with her as she gets the meal together. Tell her about your day and be sure to ask about hers. She may be busy with children or other duties, but she will be listening, I assure you. So then when she, like, fixes it, she put, Yet another idea is to sit and talk with her as you cook the meal together. Tell her about your day and be sure to ask her about hers. If she is busy with children or other duties, don't just sit there on your butt watching her. You're a parent. Go be one. So, like, and she does that. This was kind of a mild one. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) There's a lot of really crazy quotes. If you follow her page, your mouth will probably just drop open over and over again reading her fixed it for you's because, like, you can't believe some of the things that these people wrote in their marriage books. I see some of them pop up of books that I read when I was a teenager. Yes. And I'm like, wait, I read that? Yes. So that's kind of what inspired us to talk about this. So mm-hmm. we wanted to kind of talk about like, so like when, what, like what was our experience with reading these books and when like kind of also what was our first like experience of mm-hmm. purity culture, I guess, was kind of where we wanted to go with yes. this. So I'll kind of start, I guess. Um, I have very, I love reading Mm -hmm. as a teenager. I loved reading. And I remember finding books that my mom had, marriage books, and reading them. Because why wouldn't a 12 or 13 year old read marriage books? I mean, you were hoping to be (laughs) married someday, maybe. So (laughs) you were just like a squirrel stuck in his doors. (laughs) <laughs> like a squirrel storing away nuts for winter you were just <laughs> storing away that marriage advice oh yeah it was too bad it was the books that i found but um you live and you learn yeah um so i don't know i'm guessing anywhere between 12 and 14 years old is mm-hmm. the first time that i found these books in the very first book i remember is um the book's for women only and for men only. Yes. And I don't know if I ever read the for men only, but I definitely read the for women only one. And I have several things that to this day, like, 
scarred themselves into my brain from that book. And it's probably because I read them at too young of an age for one thing. But another thing, it was truly terrible advice. Mm -hmm. And so it, yeah. But um, okay, so basically the things that stuck out to me from that book is that it is, oh, by the way, we didn't do a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode, but this isn't an episode you should listen to with small children. (laughs) I'll put that in the description of the episode for sure. But yes, okay, the things that stuck out to me from that book were, number one, it is the woman's responsibility to make sure that you have sex with your husband regardless of how you feel, like whether you want to or not, because Mm -hmm. if you don't and you turn him down, he will take his desire somewhere else like, i.e. porn or lusting after other women. And the person, I don't, I actually can't remember who wrote this book right now. It was, um, Shanti Felden. Okay. She also talks about that if you don't have enough sex with your husband, then when he sees beautiful women out in public, he's more likely to, like, picture... (sighs) Oh my gosh, I don't even know if I will. I can't talk about Whew. He's more likely to like fantasize about them and lust after them and picture doing things with them. And in my brain, like that, that stuck so hard mm-hmm. for me. Like, um, you mean to tell me that that's just what every man does. That's just how every man operates. That if you don't have, because she was basically saying that if you do have enough sex with your husband, then his desire is fulfilled and you're the only one that he ever thinks of in that way. I I don't even know if it was that book or if it was another one, but I remember reading one where it said, if you keep his tank full, then he won't need to fill it elsewhere. Yeah. And... they don't mention, they talk about loyalty on the women's part, Mm -hmm. but they don't talk about loyalty and uh, respect and commitment. Yeah. And the fact that you made a marriage vow as far as from the men's side. Mm -hmm. And it puts, that book just puts so much responsibility on the women's plate. And it also, she very, she went into like dressing nicely for your husband and having the house clean when your husband gets home and everything. Mm -hmm. And I get that you, I think if that's something you want to do, absolutely. If you have the ability to do it, absolutely. If your husband works outside of the home and you're home all day, sure. If that's something you want to do, go ahead. But it doesn't take into consideration the fact that keeping a house is not just a one-person job. Mm -hmm. And so – and cooking isn't – like all of that responsibility plus raising children – Okay, cutting back in. We got interrupted for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I was saying that keeping a house is a two-person job mm-hmm. or is not is not a one-person job. And, like, to put all of the responsibility of keeping the house, raising the children, cooking the food, and making sure that you are having enough sex with your husband all on the woman yeah. is very overwhelming. And yeah. it's why you deal with a lot of women dealing with burnt, burnout and... A lot of stuff um, regarding that. But, okay, that wasn't the main point I was trying to make. I Mm -hmm. feel like those books just – they put a lot of that responsibility on – 
the wife or woman in the relationship and then they don't like empathize with how hard that role is. They just make it sound like a matter of fact, like this is what you need to do. And so the takeaway is that my whole teenage life, I just assumed that every man watched porn and that they all dealt with lust and that like it just... It just really ingrained this in me and made me feel so, oh, how do I, like, like getting married, I would be taking on this huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I felt so much pressure to one day be a very, like, I need to be very good in the bedroom to satisfy my husband. But until then, I have to be absolutely, completely chaste and pure Mm -hmm. and not even think any sexual thoughts. Like... Mm -hmm. And because in these books, it then talks about like, it also brings up um, in, I don't remember if it was this book, but other books I read also talked about that if you do like, if you are sexual before you get married, then you're bringing that into your relationship Mm -hmm. and you're bringing that just so much. So um, kind of wanted to jump in here with something. So for me, I read, um, they have, her and her husband, they have a whole host of books. Oh, okay. And they have for women only, for men only, for couples only, for young women only, for young men only. And my first one that I read was for young women only. Okay. And I can't remember, like, exact specifics of the book, but I did look up the description of it on Amazon And, you know, it gives you a very good summary of what this book is about. Um, It starts off by saying, guys will be guys. Oh, man. That is the very first words of the summary. Guys will be guys. We already talked about why that's problematic, right? Okay, good. Um, And it goes on about, you know, how they're tough and tender and all this other stuff. But then it says that... You know, his ego is the size of Africa, and he hides his real feelings. He's magnetized by pretty girls, but he wants to find a diamond in the rough, and he also wants to marry a virgin. He just wants you to be yourself. That's what it says. Oh, my god. In the description. Wow. So that whole book is essentially talking about what a guy wants in a girl. Yes. So, For Young Women Only is titled, For Young Women Only, What You Need to Know About How Guys Think. Okay. okay. For um, Young Men Only is titled, For Young Men Only, A Guy's Guide to the Alien Gender. <gasps> no. Yes. No. Yes. No. Okay. Yes. Moment of silence. <laughs> alien gender? Mm-hmm. They called women the alien gender? Oh my goodness. That's horrifying. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's reading. She looks not happy. <laughs> Tell us, Crystal. Well, hmm. <laughs> Says there are so many reasons why you don't need this book. You don't need it to know how to text a girl in the middle of a roller coaster ride or to belch the alphabet in tune. Um,. All of that you can already do. It says some other things too, but I'm skipping, okay? What um, earth? And for those, for all those reasons, you are already a legend. That's what it says. Oh my goodness. 
On the other hand, like most young males, you live among aliens who don't know or appreciate your achievements. The aliens, of course, are girls. Some of them, especially the cute ones, have the power to make you stutter, shake, and fall on your behind right when you want to look your coolest. You know it's true. Girls drive us crazy. They can make a famous jump shot turn into nothing but air. They can make us so confused... We want to scream, so we have to ask, will you, male legend, survive girls with your coolness intact? Plenty of guys don't. <sighs> okay. Is that the end of it? Please no, it's, no not. it's not. No. They said, now that we are post-cool but also post-stuttering grown-ups, we want to help the teen guys understand, talk to, listen, get to know, learn from, care for, enjoy, maybe even impress a girl. Um, okay, let's see. Skipping a few things here, but the this goes into the author um explaining how um his wife wrote the other books and she happens to be a Harvard trained policy analyst who unexpectedly became a social researcher. One day, she woke up to the fact that men really do think differently than women. Okay, sometimes we don't think at all, but let's not go there. Shanti realized that even though she loved someone as smooth as me, she simply didn't get a lot about me. Not just didn't get, more like had no clue. And here's the weirdest part. I had no clue that she had no clue. When she asked around, she discovered our problem was a common one. Goes on about how she talked to a lot of people and decided to write for women only. It became a national bestseller. Men everywhere breathed a sigh of relief because suddenly they weren't treated like freaks. And women everywhere realized they could know and love their man for who he really was, not for who they thought he was. Um, He talks about how other bestsellers followed for men only and for young men only. And then, so it says, you may not realize it yet, but for the price of this book, we are handing you a silver platter of wisdom that will help you navigate the challenges of the alien gender with confidence. The confidence that comes from realizing that you actually understand what is going on around you. You will come away with a whole arsenal of new insights. You will move from the other average, I don't really get girls guy to someone with superpowers. You will basically have a master's degree in girl. We challenge you to use these powers wisely and not for your own selfish purposes. If we hear that you haven't used your new knowledge well, we will hunt you down and force you to sit through our 12-hour two-on-one seminar and we'll charge you for it. What on earth? Are you ready for the big adventure? Sit back for a fun ride and plenty of big and amazingly helpful surprises about how girls think. When you're done, be sure to let us know what happened. Okay, so the big thing that sticks out to me, um, guys, you're going to know how girls think. Girls, like before you even read this book, just know that the main thing he's looking for is a virgin. But he also wants you to be yourself, but also you need to be what he wants you to be. Mm-hmm. But like guys, you just need to know how they think. It had nothing to do with, oh, like... you. It doesn't it, tell them... Well, okay, in the description, it doesn't say that you no, as a guy should be a virgin. No, it doesn't. And it also doesn't... And I remember reading, I read both of these books. I read For Young Men Only too. I don't know why I did, but I did, okay? <laughs> you wanted just a did. balanced perspective. I did. I was like, what are they telling the guys? Let's see. Yeah. And for the women, it it's all like, 
you have to be this, you have to be this, and you have to be this. This is the criteria that you must meet. Mm -hmm. And for guys, it was literally just like, and this is why they think this, and this is how they operate. And um, looking back, I think I disagree with a lot of it. But it was all about like, this is, you know, this is how to love her in order to get the respect you want. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing of like, this is, there was no list of criteria for the guys to meet of them to be like, this is the kind of man you need to be in order to attract a wife. Yeah. And what I found super interesting in the description of the four young men only is how much it tried to appeal to ego. Yes. There was even a part, I think I skipped it, but it said, we weren't sure how many boys, you know, would want to read this or if they'd just, you know, come out for like the cool format and the video game. But yet girls are like, oh no, you should be, we know you've been looking for this and looking for something that tells you how guys want you to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the, you know, what's really, okay, so... We're not trying to just tear apart like one no. group of books. Um, we're using this as an example. Yes, it's just a it's just a good example. Yeah, we both read it, mm-hmm. and so we both have we both know this one book. Um, the thing that's really interesting to me is that both the four women only, the four young women only, the four young men only, mm-hmm. both sides of the coin are not actually teaching you how to love. Mm-hmm. They're teaching you a set of rules. And then like the four young men only based on the description, I haven't read it, but it seems to me almost like it's more a how to deal with women and how to deal, well, how to deal with the alien mm-hmm. gender. Like, And it's a little bit more like too, like, okay, not just how to deal with them, like how for you to come out cool on the yeah. other end of it, how for you to keep your ego get what intact. you want. Yeah out of it yeah and instead of like actually like this is how to love yes yes because to me i feel like in a relationship if you it doesn't matter what gender you are if you love the other person you want to do things for them yeah you and it's kind of um so i can't remember the exact wording but I'm pretty sure there's a verse in the Bible that talks about, like, when you're loving one another, you're also serving one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of these books, they only talk about the woman serving the man. Mm-hmm. And they don't really talk about the man serving the woman at all. Mm-hmm. And even if they do, it's often in a way where it's portrayed as you have to serve her just mm-hmm. enough to keep her happy mm-hmm. so that she meets your needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not a thing of serving her because you love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not the message that's communicated no. at all. No. Um, yeah. And, and like, you can see why that's problematic. Yeah. That's extremely problematic to promote that message to married couples, mm-hmm. pre-married couples. Uh, a lot of these books are used as premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very problematic because it the way that it perpetuates, the way in which it perpetuates purity culture is just, it's putting men at a disadvantage. It's making men a lot less powerful than they actually are. Yes. And it is making women responsible 
for literally, what, 95% of the marriage? Mm-hmm. And so often... And, for, and it makes women responsible for the actions of their husbands. Yes, yes. That's... Yes. And it also, it also, like, it also makes it sound like men are... I mean, simply, it makes it sound like men are weaklings who have no choice or control. Yeah. Which is also not the truth. It's not the truth. I mean, and like you just said, it makes them sound like they're not as strong as they are. Yeah. And I think that that is, it is a grave error to teach, especially teenage boys, that they have no control Mm-hmm. and no choice mm-hmm. because that's not true and women are not responsible mm-hmm. for the choices that men make mm-hmm. you are not responsible for the choice another person makes yeah everybody has free will yeah and yeah. i think another thing that's a problem to me is making women responsible like this you know in the bible In the very beginning, it says that, you know, Eve was created from Adam's rib. Mm -hmm. And I've often heard it said, like, it's not from, like, she's not above him or from his feet, so she's below him, Mm -hmm. but as an equal. Mm -hmm. So if we're equals, then that means in a marriage, we're each 50% responsible, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean... Yeah, I've heard it said you know like, what I mean? you're both 100% responsible. Yes, You should yes. both be bringing 100% of your best selves to your yes, marriage. Yes, yes. Um, y- yeah. But just this whole thing of like men only being, you know, 5% responsible or whatever. Yeah. like Which we're putting those numbers out there, but that's the message just, that was portrayed to us. Yes, that's how it, that's how it felt to us yes, personally. Yes, And that's a lot of pressure, number one, yeah. to feel like you're so responsible for everything mm-hmm. when yeah. you're not. I, I basically, like, to summarize my experience then, my whole teenage viewpoint then, um, after reading these books, mm-hmm. um, was, like, I felt like someday in the future it was going to be a huge responsibility of mine to keep my husband happy. Mm-hmm. Um I needed to keep the house clean. I needed to have a very high sex drive. I needed to make him food every evening. Like, there's... I think, doesn't she say in For Women Only, doesn't she say something about how um, when he comes home from work, the floor should be swept and dinner should be on the table and you should be wearing something nice? I feel like yes. I but think it's this book. I've, I can't I've read remember. A lot of books. I know, me too. So I'm not sure if it, I, I'm like, is it this one for sure, or was it a different one? Yeah. And so I just like, as a teenager, that's kind of how purity culture started for me. Basically, I felt an extreme pressure for the way that I, well, the way that it talks about men lusting, I felt an extreme pressure Mm -hmm. for the way that I dressed. I felt an extreme pressure for the way that I acted around men. I Mm -hmm. felt, or boys in high school, um, I felt an extreme pressure for my future marriage. Mm -hmm. Like that I was responsible for the actions of my future husband. I was responsible for if he watched porn or not. Mm -hmm. I was responsible for whether he lusted after other women or not. And that's purity culture. It's putting so much pressure and fear on women. And 
It, it was overwhelming. Just like sheerly overwhelming. Yeah. And so, like I said, I read lots of books because I was, I loved reading. And so whatever I got my hands on and then like the more books I read, just the worse it got. There were so many books that emphasized how that if you um, aren't pure when you get married, like that's very bad. And it just, oh, and then um, I also wanted to touch on like love languages. Love languages, I think, are very cool in getting to understand like what makes someone feel loved because we do have different mm-hmm. personalities. I personally don't think that it is fair to say you could only have one. <laughs> yeah. I personally think at any given point, I could feel like we could all have all five of the love languages. And I definitely don't think that it stays the same your whole life. Like mm-hmm. you don't just, oh, my love language is acts of service and it will be this way till I die. Like <laughs> I think it can change. And yeah, I think that it's different for every person. It's different for every person. Yeah. Everybody's personality is different. Um, and you have the way that you were raised determines what makes you feel loved and appreciated. Um, there's lots of things that go into that. But I think that at any given point, we don't have to just narrow ourselves down to one. But anyways, mm-hmm. that's my little disclaimer. I'm not like <laughs> – I like the love languages. I think yes. they're cool. But they're, I'm not like the biggest fan of – the whole concept. But um, I think that oftentimes the way the love languages get taught is problematic because I personally have been told in person by someone, well, if you're not loving your husband in this way, in the way that they want to be loved, then why would he love you in the way that you want to be loved? Mm -hmm. And so it's basically using it honestly, like as a manipulation to get what you want. And I don't know, I don't believe that was the intent of the person who wrote the five love languages. No, I don't think so either. I do think, I think um, you're onto something there though, too. And I think that that is something that is kind of recurrent in a lot of these books, actually, for women is the theme of if you do what he wants, he will do what Mm -hmm. you want. Mm -hmm. And then you're doing what your husband wants, not because you want to do it for him, Mm -hmm. but to get him to do what you want him to do. Yeah. And I mean, there's similar things in the, in the books for men too, but I read more of the ones for women. So, Mm -hmm. um, which, when it comes down to it, that's not love and genuine mm-hmm. respect. Yeah. It's it's a way of manipulating someone else's actions. Mm-hmm. And so I think that often, like I said, I don't think it was the intent of whoever wrote the five love languages, but that's how they often get used mm-hmm. or how they often get taught by yeah. um, a lot of people. I've A lot of people. <laughs> and it's unfortunate, mm-hmm. I believe, because... We don't – the goal is not in a marriage to learn to – how to manipulate each other to get what we want. Yeah. I think that a lot of times that's what marriage can reach. That's the point a lot of marriages can reach. But what we should aspire to is genuine mutual respect and love. And that is so different and it's – the motivation is so different. And when you genuinely mutually respect and love each other, it – it doesn't have to be a, well, if you do this, then I'll do this. It's a totally different ballgame. And and I there are good books out there that do teach that. 
but because of <laughs> so but because of the culture we grew up in i guess the whole point of this <laughs> is talking about how many problematic teachings mm-hmm. how many problematic books there are out there that perpetuate this purity culture belief yeah. um about all the responsibility being on women and not on men um and sheila gregor does a fantastic job. Some of these books I haven't even read. A lot of them I've like read parts of or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she pulls out excerpts from a lot of different books and she does a really good job. Yeah, fixes yeah. them and also just she's she just does a very good job. Yeah. <laughs> with um with addressing these books that have been perpetrating this bad information something that i really appreciate about sheila is that she wrote a book Mm -hmm. many years ago that she has since gone back and rewritten Mm -hmm. because she realized some of the mindsets that she had when she wrote that book and um like that fixed it for you that you read off earlier Mm -hmm. like she's even fixed herself yeah and i love that about her that she's, you know, willing to say, this is where I was, but I grew, and here mm-hmm. is where I am now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just, yeah, I just love that. <laughs> yeah. And and she also, she talks a lot about the shame surrounding sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really cool how she opens that conversation up because the f- <laughs> It's kind of an interesting dichotomy. These books bring forth an interesting dichotomy of Mm -hmm. where both they say, like, they talk about the responsibility being on the woman to have enough sex with their husbands. But then it's still – these books do not in any way, shape, or form alleviate sexual shame or the shame surrounding sex at all. Yeah. Um, And they still very much make you feel dirty if you have done things before. Like – uh, it they just make you feel d- dirty very easily. Yeah. Like, and it that's a difficult place to be when you are both being told you need to be very sexual for your husband. Mm-hmm. And also, don't be too sexual. Don't be a temptress, you know, like. Yeah. 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 Is that a weird word? <laughs> no, I think it's accurate for what you're trying to describe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me to think about what we've just talked about in these books mm-hmm. and to think about that that's like that's where we started out mm-hmm. yeah you know reading these books and completely believing all of it and mm-hmm. being like oh this is i remember thinking for young women only every young woman should read this book this is so helpful mm-hmm. like this is so good because now now i know what a guy is looking for mm-hmm. yeah and no, young Crystal, no. <laughs> Please don't gift this book to your to your daughters. No. Um. Yeah, I. You brought up a good point. Like this is where we what we started out believing and yeah. feeling. That's that's why purity culture affected us so much. Mm-hmm. And if you've also read these Christian marriage books, it's you can relate. Because it's it's a very high pressure yeah. place to be in. Mm-hmm. I feel like in a lot of youth groups, 
books like this are, are recommended um, in a lot of churches. Parents are, you know, they give these books to their children. Um, and, and in general, married couples are told to read these books. So it's, it's just so perpetuated in conservative cultures, Christian cultures, even if like a church doesn't consider itself super conservative, like, like, okay, Amish is definitely more conservative than like an evangelical church, Mm -hmm. um, evangelical non-denominational church, but even evangelical (laughs) non-denominational, mouthful, non-denominational churches, we're still teaching these things in Mm -hmm. this group. And that's where it's like, and, and Amish churches weren't teaching these things in mm-hmm. youth groups, but a lot of Amish people still had access to these books. Yeah. And so these books have reached such a large portion of Christian people. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like, I feel like a lot of dating books and stuff are the cause of perpetuating a lot of purity culture. And you have also, of course, lots of other reasons too. But, um, yeah, so I don't even know if we've really, with this episode, I guess we didn't have, like, a huge, like, um, one certain aspect of purity culture that we wanted to, like, talk about and um, dismantle, if you will, or, like, pick apart. We basically just kind of wanted to say, like, what... we experienced as teenagers and why it was so like ingrained in our brains and also like kind of just connect with you like maybe you experienced something like that too as a teenager and you had a similar experience or even older Mm -hmm. or whatever um so yeah that's kind of where we're at starting this out and we'll see where it goes what what aspect of purity culture we'll talk about next we are Waiting to hear um, feedback from you guys in our Instagram. Um, We're really excited to get more feedback about what aspects of purity culture you want to hear about or what aspects affected you. Yes, definitely. So So all in all, we read a lot of books Mm -hmm. because we're both bookworms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I've honestly lost count of how many books I read like this one. Mm -hmm. But um I can honestly say, for me personally, these books did more damage than they did good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that they were written with the intent of helping people, but I don't feel like they helped me. <laughs> yeah. So No, definitely not me either. I feel like so much information from these books, like, stuck in my brain for years, mm-hmm. even after I was married, and caused shame when I didn't live up to the perfect... Yeah. Like, I definitely did not have dinner on the table every night when my husband came home, and... Oh, I still don't. <laughs> I felt shame for that for yeah. a long time, mm-hmm. and it's hard... When something is so ingrained in your brain... <laughs> that rhymed. Um, you... It takes a long time to shake it. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of... Um, different messaging it takes a lot of you retraining your brain yeah so and the thing is too is like there is nothing wrong if you enjoy having a meal on the table when your husband comes home there's nothing wrong with that but i think it's the expectation and that every woman is just told that that is your role when the Mm -hmm. fact is is that every relationship looks different Mm -hmm. like what if you work out of the home and your husband is the one who's at home and More maybe often. he, yeah, what if he gets home from work earlier than you do? Mm-hmm. 
is he still going to, is he just going to sit there and wait for you to come home and cook dinner? Or is he going to start cooking dinner himself? You know, that's, you know, that's a point that I hadn't thought about. These books also very often assume that, that the type of relationship you have is one where the husband works outside of the home and you're a stay at home. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, is that like, you know, there are a lot more women who work now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just financially speaking, a lot of families still need both parents to work just to, you know, and then meet the bills for the household or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it, everything looks different. And, you know, there are a lot more people who work from home now than mm-hmm. there used to be. And so, you know, what if, you know, if you're a couple who, you know, I think of a couple that I know where the woman is a nurse and her husband, he has his own business and he works from home a lot. He has a mm-hmm. very flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. So is he just going to, you know, wait for her to come home? No. I mean, he he cooks dinner. He takes care of their kids too. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a, it's a partnership. Yeah. And it's not just him waiting for her to come and fulfill his needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the whole um, – Having those, aside from, like, sex, Mm -hmm. being the responsibility of the woman, the whole housekeeping and making meals and taking care of the kids, um, role-placing on women does come from, like, previous generations where men really didn't have much responsibility outside of their work. Mm -hmm. They made the money. And Mm -hmm. I, I will say, being the one responsible for the financial well-being of your family is a lot of pressure it is is a lot of work Mm -hmm. and that is a very important role to play in your family's life but I think it doesn't mean in the past that was like the only role of men but it doesn't mean that you can't still be an engaged parent yeah and I think in the past it wasn't expected of men Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of trickled down into Yes. Conservative beliefs. And I do think, I do see those, some of those things changing. Mm -hmm. I do see more people teaching their sons how to do things like cleaning and cooking and just basic like human things to take Mm -hmm. care of themselves. Yeah. And, um, because that's, that's been part of the mentality is that a man needs a wife to take care of him. Yeah. But again, that's selling men short. Like they are capable of being self-reliant humans. Mm-hmm. And women also, you they don't need men to provide for them. Like it's okay if that's the role you chose, you know, if that's mm-hmm. the route you cho- choose to go, that's fine. But women are also capable of providing for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the reality yeah, of it. what are you going to do if you don't get married at 21 as mm-hmm. a man? You're going to have to figure out how to do your laundry. You're going to have to figure out how to clean the toilet or else you're going to live in filth constantly. I've actually thought of that a lot in the past. Like, okay, so men expect women, a lot of men expect mm-hmm. women to do all these things. But what what did they, they say they don't know how to, like clean mm-hmm. and all this stuff. What would have happened if they would have never gotten married? Yeah. Like, is it just taken for granted that a woman <laughs> loves them enough to marry them? Like, it's. I don't know. It just kind of cracks me up that like, okay, so what would happen if you lived alone? Would you just live in filth constantly? What or I, I would your know. mom come clean your house for you? <laughs> like, <laughs> These are all good questions. Yeah. I think it's just assumed that you're going to get married. Yeah. But then that also, you know, that's a whole nother thing of placing pressure on people to get married. I mean, like, not everybody wants to get married. 
And not everybody wants to get married at 20 years old. Yeah. There's, um, in religious cultures, people get married very young. Yeah. I mean, speaking from experience. Yeah, you did. You got married much younger than I did. Yeah. Although we got married the same time. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Two weeks apart from each other. Yep. Yeah, speaking from experience, I felt an immense pressure to get married Mm -hmm. young. Now, granted... I didn't feel immense pressure to marry specifically my husband. I wanted to marry him. Oh, that's and I good. I still I'm, stand by that decision. I am really glad to know that. <laughs> but growing up, it was definitely a pressure of like, you're definitely going to get married one day. Mm-hmm. You're definitely like, and, and I wanted to, but at the same time. But there, there's like a pressure to like find a husband, but also like. You need to be a wife that's marriage material. Yes. Like you need yes. to be a woman that a guy is going to want to marry instead. And like, that's the focus instead of be a woman who's authentic. Yeah. Be a woman who's herself. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and to have good boundaries and respect yes, for and yourself. to be healthy. Yeah. Yes. To be a healthy individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. not about what you can give it. Okay. No, I want to rephrase. It's not just about what you can give mm-hmm. to a marriage. It's also about like <laughs> I don't know how best to re- to word this, but it's also about what you're going to receive. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy to just go into a marriage um, thinking about what you can give your spouse. You also need to know what like what that marriage is going to entail, what it's going to look like for you. You know, speaking of being healthy, <laughs> oh boy. Do you know when chicken soup is not healthy? No. If you're the chicken. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so true. I would not you want to be a chicken with a chicken soup. Chicken soup. That's, not, That's not healthy at all. Having to die to to create a healthy soup just is like the, the opposite of healthy. I am thankful for all the chickens that die for our chicken noodle soup, yes, though. So same. This this is a good. That's a bonus breadcrumb. <laughs> bonus breadcrumb. I love it. Does anybody else want chicken noodle soup now? Yes. Um, it's this is actually kind of a good um lesson. Actually, this joke actually tells a good lesson. If you have to die. <laughs> you have to kill yes. yourself <laughs> in the process, in the name of healthy, um, whether it's... Yeah, if you have to kill yourself in order to make a relationship work... Yes. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look at yourself. that. My joke even, like, pertains. I didn't... Uh, I, that, that joke was pre-planned, so <laughs> that was... That worked out well. That worked out well. I did not know how well that was going to work yeah. out. But anyway. Um, well, yeah. To kind of wrap this episode up, I don't think that we, like, solved some major purity culture problems. I think this episode was kind of more us just having mm-hmm. a conversation about our experiences. Yeah. Um, which is what we wanted to do. And just giving some insight into our journey and... Yeah. And what we've realized along the way about yeah. how problematic some of these beliefs that were perpetuated by yes. these books are. So, yeah. Thank you for being here. Well, I think I'm going to take this time to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yes. You, um, if you don't already, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook 
at the friendship bread. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts that would help us out immensely. Or if you're listening on Spotify, just go ahead and hit five stars or three stars. However, whatever the most is. I always forget. <laughs> I know, um, same. But yeah, however many stars you can hit, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, you can share this episode with any of your friends. If you think they've read this, these books and you want to hear their thoughts on it, this would be a great way for you to start a conversation with your friends about what they thought about it. Um, we are working on some blogs. I know we've been saying that, but we actually are working on some blog posts for you guys. And so those will be coming up on the website. And if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you will see the updates for that there. As always, if you can give us feedback, even if you just want to send us a little message or an email, tell us what you thought about this episode, we would appreciate that so much. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. And we hope you'll tune in in two weeks for another episode of the Friendship Bread Podcast. Bye.